Crossing family, it is so good to be with you today. I hope you guys had a great weekend. If you had a horrible week, you couldn't have picked a better place to be on a Sunday morning. I want to welcome those of you joining at all of our different campuses, those of you joining online and inside, and those of you who are hanging out with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. And if you fall into one of those two categories, first time or first time in a long time, I want to encourage you, take advantage of the QR code on the seat in front of you. It'll give you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about our church, connect, and take some next steps. Uh, last weekend, I talked about, as a church, we are going to be doing a lot of things kind of under the banner of In Your Corner, that we want to let our communities know and the people who call the crossing home know that we are in their corner. Well, we have an In Your Corner event happening on Super Bowl weekend. Year after year, we try to go the extra mile to make sure that our Super Bowl weekend experience is a great time for you to invite friends and family to come and hang out with you at church. In fact, historically, Super Bowl weekend is our third highest attended weekend out of the entire year. It goes, uh, Jesus's, when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, a lot of, most people show up. We celebrate his birth, next group, but then football, like, yeah, uh, we'll be there too, Okay. It's like the third spiritual holiday. Well, this Super Bowl weekend will be no different. Um, we're going to be bringing in Steve Weatherford. He played for the University of Illinois. For those of you who are Illinois fans, I saw you when you were walking in. Uh, to those of you, and then he went on to have an NFL career with the Saints, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Giants. In fact, when he was playing with the Giants, he won a Super Bowl over the Patriots. So if you hate New England, it would be a great guy for you to show up and hang out with him, okay? We were going to bring in a Chiefs player uh, this year, but more than likely they'll be playing uh, in the Super Bowl, so it'll be a little bit harder to, uh, to get them to come in. Less Chiefs fans here on first service than there was on Thursday. Good to know. Um, anyhow, Steve Weatherford is a freak athlete, and he was called the strongest player pound for pound, and he is radically been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ and is sharing his testimony and is helping men grow in their relationship with the Lord, and we're excited to have him here. He'll be live with us on Thursday and on both services on Sunday. While he's here, we're going to, yeah, it's going to be great. While he's here, we're going to do something special. Jill, pay attention to this. We are going to be hosting a frigid 5K, which means we are going to get out in the cold, and we are going to go 5Ks, however many Ks that is, we're going all five of them. Okay, now listen, uh, here's why we're doing this, okay? Uh, the proceeds from the 5K are going to support uh, two not-for-profits that specialize in rescuing and rehabilitating those who have been trapped in sex trafficking. Last year, 100 million people watched the Super Bowl globally. And right now in America, Today, with all of our advancements, with all the things that we have going right, there are 40 million people trapped in modern-day slavery. And we want to be in their corner. We want to support these innocent boys and girls in their fight for freedom. And so I'm asking you guys to be a part of the frigid 5K. You're going to get cold unless, you know, Mother Nature changes her mood and it'll be 70 degrees. And then it'll just be a, you know, 5K. Um, you're going, but Clayton, I'm not, a, I'm not a runner. What do I do? You can walk with me and eat hot dogs. I mean, we will, we will, we will survive, okay? 
Um, here's why I want you to do it. It's going to be a great thing for you to invite friends and family to do, to hang out, make a memory on Super Bowl weekend. It's going to support an incredibly wonderful cause. Uh, I've already signed my whole family up. My boys are like, is the, is, are we going to win the race? And I said, not with our genes. Uh, but, but, but it'll be your first race you'll complete, okay? Well, anyhow, I want to encourage you to show up, be a part of it, have a blast. We're going to be hosting it here um, in Quincy, and I'm hoping people from all of our different locations will show up and just make a great day out of it. And then the third thing I want you to do, so first one, invite a friend, two, two join us on the race. Got to be careful how we point. And our count, three, uh, I want you to think about hosting a Super Bowl party and inviting some people who don't know Jesus, okay? Or maybe go to a Super Bowl party that has some people that don't know Jesus and ask God to open up doors. What I don't want you to do is just go to uh, sit at your house and watch the Super Bowl by your saved self and not have an opportunity to interact with people and show them that Christians can be fun and cool. Sound like a plan? Okay. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I'm just asking that you would set a fire in our hearts that cannot be put out. Stir our affections towards you. Fire us up for your mission to reach people who don't know you. God, I pray right now you would be with churches all across the globe that are gathering, that are lifting high your name in the name of Jesus. God, I want you to be with the pastors that are proclaiming that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Be with their staffs, be with the marriages, be with their kids, be with all the difference makers and small group leaders and givers who are helping to make that mission a reality. And God, help us to be a church that not only um, lifts you up, not just carries out your mission, but goes about your mission in a way that honors you. God, we want to be a church that when you look down from heaven, you smile. And uh, we know that um, we're not going to get it right all the time, but God, would you continually just to mold us and shape us. In your name I pray, amen. We are in a sermon series called There Has to Be a Place. And uh, there's a lot of things that every community needs. But I think the most important thing that every community needs is a place that lifts high the name of Jesus and is committed to his mission. And we've been talking about uh, all kinds of things, you know, about sharing unapologetically the power and the beauty of the cross of Jesus. Uh, there has to be a place that shouts from the rooftops and whispers across kitchen tables that there is hope for today and there is help for tomorrow. And we talked about there has to be a place that, um, takes, that makes Jesus' last words our first priority. And you guys, you guys know this, you're Bible people. Matthew 28, these are Jesus' last words here on planet Earth. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, some of you, you might be new to following Jesus and you're going, well, what is a disciple? And what does it mean to disciple somebody? If we use the spiritual continuum here, uh, minus fives, people who, you know, hate God, and plus fives, you know, people who look just like him. Uh, discipleship is literally just moving people to the right. You're discipling somebody when you help them be, go from a minus five to a minus four. And you're discipling somebody when you help someone go from a plus four to a plus five. Now let me say this, just because I don't want any of you guys to get weird. Um, Jesus loves everybody on this graph. Everybody, the same. Whoa, what? Hear me. Um, 
if you're like a plus five Christian, he doesn't love you any more than if you hate him. Uh, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for all of humankind, regardless of where they are on the spiritual spectrum. This is important because I don't want you to go, boy, I'm really going to start treating that person well once they become a because if we're going to be a church that looks like Jesus, we have to act like Jesus. And Jesus loves everybody on this continuum. This is also good for you. Because you're not going to, you don't want to move from left to right um, so that way God will love you more. That puts a weight on you that you can't sustain. Here is why we move from left to right. Because we love him more. Not to get him to love us more. Okay, Let's get, I just want to make sure we get that. So uh, here, here's the other thing. Uh, there has to be a church that believes or that still believes that Jesus changes people. That this isn't something that happened a long time ago in a faraway place, but that God's spirit can still move in our hearts and in our lives and bring about significant life-altering change. What that means is no matter how messed up, no matter how screwed up, no matter how bad your past or how weird your present there is no sin that God can't forgive. There is no sin that Jesus' blood does not cover, which means that there is no such thing as a, a sinner that God can't save. And I am praying in our church, and hopefully you guys are praying this, that we would have the spirit of Ananias, that we would be a church full of people who would go to the very people that everybody else has written off that we would be the ones who would go to the people that everybody else thinks there's just no way that we would just have that kind of spirit. Why are we doing this? Well, that's easy. Because we want to make this region the hardest, hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. And that's why we're doing all of these In Your Corner initiatives, is because we want to be in people's uh, corner as they're trying to navigate their faith and live in their communities which means we want to be in the corner of our communities as they deal with limited resources and limited volunteers. We want to be in the corner of foster care uh, families and adoptive families as they take radical steps of faith. We want to be in your corner as you try to make sure that there are no kids cold in our region. We want to be in your corner as you try to reach your friends and your family for Jesus. We cannot fight your battles for you, but we can be in your corner while you fight them. Uh, here's what I mean. Let's just say you had marriage problems. I, um, I can't be your husband. Just can't. I'm already taken, okay? I can't, and listen, she, she lost the receipt, so she can't return me, okay? So I can't, I can't be your husband. But I could be in your corner as you try to become uh, a healthier marriage. I can't parent your kids. Like, I can't fight that fight for you. And to be honest with you, depending on what night you show up at my house, you might not want me parenting your kids, right? But I can be in your corner rooting for you and cheering for you as you go on that journey. Uh, so when you look out into your community and when you look into the people that you care and that you love, what I want us as a church to go is how can I be in their corner? And uh, as a staff, I feel like we have a deep obligation to do a little bit better here. Um, over time, in an effort to increase efficiency and to maximize uh, excellence at our different locations, at times, 
we may have lost sight of what God expects of us as church leaders. And um, I want to kind of take you on that journey for a second. Ephesians 4.11 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So these five offices he, he gave to the church. Why did he give them to the church? Well, here's why. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How long are we supposed to build this, this church up? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when are we supposed to stop this work of service? When we all reach perfect unity. It is not when the church hits 100 people or 10,000 people. It's not when we have two campuses or 20 campuses. It's not when we have two staff or 200 staff. The mission stops when we all reach unity in the faith. And in God's design, he gave a spiritual assignment and obligation to pastors uh, to equip God's people for works of service. So part of my job is to be in your corner to help you discover and to equip you to carry out the mission that God has put inside you. And you might be going, that would be great, Clayton. I would love to do gifts of service. The problem is, I don't have a gift. That's what we like to do. We like to deflect quick and early. Well, I just don't have, I, you know, me, when I came out of the cookie cutter thing that God was using, he, you know, he forgot the baking soda. And so I don't, you know, I don't have the gift that everybody else has. Okay, come here, come here. Um, God's a really good God. And because he's good, you can deduce some things. That God would not ask you to do something that he has not enabled you to do. Which means that God would not ask you to use a gift if he had in fact made you without a gift to accomplish his mission. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, I'll leave it here for just a second. Whatever gift you have received. What sometimes I think we mean is, my gift's not cool. Well, I don't have one of the cool gifts, so I'm not gifted. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that the gifts that everybody else thought were cool, God was like, are you serious? You should have checked out this person. And I think the people who you've never heard about, who have faithfully done all kinds of things behind the scenes that nobody's ever seen and nobody's ever written about, never, nobody's ever showed up to clap when they were done, are going to be the people that have the biggest houses in heaven. Okay? Like, I'm going to be the guy in a tent in heaven. Next, you know, I always just tell people, I'll be in heaven, but I'll be in the hottest part. Okay? Like, that's, that's where I'll end up. Okay? When God put you together, he was... He put, he instilled a gift inside of you. Here's the easiest way for me to describe this. God, when he made you, my theology, as I understand scripture, means that he made you on purpose, which means you weren't an accident. Your parents might not have planned you, but God did, okay? So you were made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. That God put you in this time in human history to add value to his mission 
and he put a unique, a unique skill set inside of you to help accomplish it. So this is wintertime, and during the, the winter season, I get a huge hankering for uh, Christmas cookies. And I've told you guys that my mom's sugar cookies are the greatest sugar cookie. I've thought multiple times about how can I show this to all of you and the amount of work it would take to give you all just one bite. I just don't love you that much, okay? And I, it's just, and, um, but I'm, I'm getting really good at making the icing. Jennifer helps me because I can put the icing together, but when you use the, uh, I don't, what's the hand mixer? When you use the hand mixer, <laughs> okay, you know what I'm good at and what I'm not, okay? Uh, when you use that, um, she comes in to help so that way it doesn't end up everywhere. And you put the Crisco in, and I don't know what Crisco is, but I, it's the thing that we get out of the, I don't really know what it, it just is, it makes it taste good. And then you put vanilla in it, and then uh, you put a, eight cups of powdered sugar for the double batch. Um, it's really healthy. It's vegan. And, um, and, and then uh, you put uh, uh, tablespoons of water, and the recipe calls for four. Two? Two to four-ish. And I, I put it all in there, and then we start mixing it up. Now, uh, when we're mixing it up, we get to this point where Jennifer looks to me for leadership because she, she's here, okay, uh, where we, we taste it. Because depending on the humidity, depending on, you know, how, the, how, how hot it is in the house, sometimes it depends on whether or not I'm putting it on one of my mom's sugar cookies or I'm going like old school, just put that sucker on some graham crackers and eat. Have you ever been there? How many of you guys ever just done the graham cracker? Like, I ain't baking today. Let's just put some jelly on some bread and, whoop, okay. Uh, you have to be careful with that, though, because you can eat so much um, uh, icing with your, when you're just putting it on graham crackers. You can get sick as a dog. And sometimes, sometimes I'll eat so many I have to take a nap. <laughs> I can't stay awake. I'm like, ooh, I'm not doing good, guys. But then I wake up, have a couple more, and I'm ready to preach. Okay. Uh, so what you do is, is you, 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 you take the knife and you scoop just a little bit and you dab it on the back of your hand. You know why you do it on the back of your hand? Because you you've never accidentally picked your nose with the back of your hand, right? <laughs> you can, you can kind of, you know, scarface yourself some icing. And when, you, uh, when you're done, you're like, ooh, it needs a little more. Sometimes it needs a little bit more water. Sometimes it just needs a, a, a little bit more vanilla. Sometimes just a little bit more powdered sugar. Some, it's just, it just needs a little more. Here's what I think happens. I think when God was looking out at the issues that we're going to be facing our world today, in his knowledge, he goes, oh, man, it's going to need a little more you. It's going to need a little bit more of your gift, of your skill set, of your unique approach to loving people and navigating God's word. It's going to need a little more you. He placed a gift inside of you. And he knew what he was adding in advance, what he knew would be needed to bring about his glorious purpose. But there's a warning in this. And I'm going to read this to you. And I want you to understand, this is not me saying this. This is Jesus telling a story. Now, the story isn't true. He's just making up a story to illustrate a point. Because it sounds really harsh. And that's because it is. Um, 
of what happens when we don't take what God has given us and use it to accomplish his mission. So here's the story. He says a business owner was getting ready to go on a trip, and he brought his three best employees in. And to one employee, he gave five bags of gold. And you're kind of like, I wish I had that cool of an employer who would give me five bags of gold. And then he went to another guy, and he gave him two bags of gold. And then he went to his third employee, and he gave him one bag of gold. And he said, listen, I want you to take this, and I want you to use it to, to work on the business. And when I come back, we'll settle up. And so then he left. And when he uh, got back from the long trip, he went to the guy who he gave five to, and he said, hey, man, uh, where are we at? And the guy's like, well, here's the five bags of gold that you gave me, and I did some cool stuff with it, and I got you up five bags more. And then he went to the guy who he gave two bags of gold to, and that guy's like, well, check this out, boss. I got, uh, here's the two bags you gave me, and oh, two more. And some of you are going, we need to find these guys, because I've gone to my financial advisor, and I've given him a thousand bucks, and I've never gotten back another thousand. It just keeps dwindling away. Then... Then you get to the guy who only had one bag. Well, look what happens in Matthew chapter 24, or 25, verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Come here, because some of you are like, ooh, this is tough. Yeah, it's incredibly tough. I need you to hear me say this. Jesus takes it personally. When we don't take the gift that he knows he has placed inside of us, and use it to accomplish his mission. It sounds harsh, but in light of what we believe about Jesus, the realities of heaven and hell, and the limited time that you and I have here on earth, how could we ever bury what God has placed in us to bless and reach the world? Each of us have something to offer, every single one of you. I wanna put two ideas in your head. Uh, one, you could serve in our community. We should be the best at mowing widows' lawns and shoveling their drives in winter. We should be the best at going into schools and coming alongside teachers and being in their corner. We should be at the best at coaching kids' sporting teams and ascribing value to the kids that have been entrusted to our care. We should be committed and we should be dependable. And as a church, we wanna come alongside of you and partner with your gift and your passion and the needs that exist in our community. But unless you raise your hand and go, hey, I'm ready to make a difference, how can we ever help you start making a difference by connecting with people who could use some help or opportunities that exist in our various communities? The other way you could do it is you can do it inside the church. It would blow you away 
how many people it takes to pull off a service each weekend at all of our different locations. If you like kids, you could serve in the kids area. If you like technology, join us. If you wanna learn it, we'll teach it to you. If you like music, join the team. If you uh, talk to our staff and show up early and greet people at the doors, hear me, everybody has smile muscles. Try it. Okay, this is my smile. We've talked about this. Like God did a lot of things good, but figuring out how to, when I, this is how I really smile most of the time. I do like the surprise, like someone just pinched me look, like, okay, all the way back to like homecoming pictures. You're like, you know, you got your corsage, her, and <laughs> that's my picture, okay? Uh, every single person you know deserves to be treated with kindness and love and compassion. It costs you nothing to be a person who's waiting at a door when someone shows up with a big smile on your face and say, hi, how are you doing? You don't have to be way, well, I don't know if that's my gift. Yeah, but you're human. Like if you have smile muscles, use those until you figure out what your super special secret sauce gift is. Just use the easy one. Every single person deserves to be treated with kindness and dignity. You could join our parking lot team. This might be the most important role in our entire church. Uh, research shows that people subconsciously make a decision about whether or not they will come back to your church within seven minutes of them setting foot on the parking lot. That's before the sermon, which some of you are like, that's a good thing actually. Uh, it's before the worship, it's before the announcements at the end. Chances are they've made up most of their mind about this church before they ever actually get into the auditorium. Can we make, uh, I need to make this clear though, because some of you might be going, okay, I'll, I'll be a part of this. When you serve, you are not doing me a favor and you are not doing our staff a favor. We might say thank you and we might even say we really appreciate you, but I need you to know this. You are not doing us a favor because you are not serving us, we are not God. We are co-laborers alongside of you in the mission of Christ. We are doing what we do unto him, not unto me or your campus pastor or the staff member at your location. So when we say thank you, I don't want you to feel like we owe you because um, I can't get you to heaven and this isn't my mission, I didn't make this up. This is a divine calling that all of us are co-laborers in, which means we need to be in the corner of every person at every single one of our locations when they take the step of faith to invite a friend who they've been praying for or a child that they've been hoping would one day return. We need to be in their corner and make a promise to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to bring their friends and family into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which means we need to be in their corner when they show up in the parking lot and when they show up at the door. We need to be in their corner in the line for coffee. Uh, can we just make this a new rule at the crossing? That when you bring someone to church, you just get to go cut all the way in front of the coffee line and get whatever you want. Some, are, we, are we okay making that move? Some of you are like, oh, I'm gonna start bringing my friends now because I'm tired of the line, which, you know, whatever, whatever motivates you. But we should be the people who are like, oh my goodness, someone's here for the first time? Yeah, get all the way up in front. Because uh, next week, you'll be at the back of the line. But this week, right, get all the way up at the front. Okay, and some of you are gonna, I know some of you, you're legalist. You're gonna start getting your phone out and be like, I don't think they're bringing people. I don't, they've been up here three weeks in a row. I've been looking at our numbers. Our church hasn't grown by three. 
Okay, well, you can keep coming too. Uh, we need to be in their corner with a smile at the check-in computers and when we give them a tour of the kids' areas. We need to be in their corner when, to give them, make sure that they have a clean place that smells good when they walk in. We need to be in their corner when they walk into the auditorium and how the lights are programmed, the sound is mixed, the music is played, and the songs lifted to heaven. We need to make a promise to the people who call the crossing home that when you bring your loved one, we'll be ready. When you bring your loved one, you can trust us. And I believe that if we make those kind of promises to God and to one another, that God will trust us with greater ministry effectiveness. There has to be a place that uses their gifts for the glory of God and the mission of reaching the lost. And I know there's some of you right now. You're going, but um, Clayton, like, I'm not really good with my gift. Okay? Um, here's the easiest way I'd describe this. Have you ever noticed as parents that there's, there's phrases you say that you can't believe are coming out of your mouth? Like, there was a conversation in my house about whether or not we were going to get hoverboards. Seven-year-old Clayton can't comprehend a world in which there are hoverboards that people ride around on. And we bought the hoverboards for our kids. How many of you guys have bought the hoverboard thing that breaks? Yeah, for your kid. And you see them get on it, and in like two minutes, your kids are just on the hoverboard. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you like call them from the other room, and they just... <laughs> you come in. You're getting ready. They're eating breakfast. <laughs> and then they do this one, which is they, they come in real fast. Right? Your kids go to bed. And you, the hoverboard's still out. So you go into the kitchen where the countertops meet so you have some place to, <laughs> right? Hear me, okay? This doesn't have a good ending because I, I, we, I broke the one I got on because <laughs> I, uh, it had a weight limit. Okay, <laughs> here's what I'm getting at. Do you, there's this part of you that sees somebody else step into their gifting and they just soar, like it's just second nature. And for some of us, it may require some work. It may require some after hours effort to develop it and harness it. All I'm saying is, it's worth it. Instead of looking at other people and how much you perceive their gift to be great and how easy it appears when they're carrying it. And you're looking at your gift and going, it's not as good and I'm not as it. I think what honors God is when you take what you have and you fully leverage it for his glory. And I think when a church does that, something special will happen. And I'm asking you to join me in that effort. We're moving to a time of decision. So if you're in here uh, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you two things 
One, you don't have to have everything figured out about Jesus before you can join us in his mission. That you don't have to be a full-blown follower of Jesus before you could start serving and making a difference. How much theology do you have to have right to smile? How much theology do you have to have right to hold open a door and just treat people with dignity? There's all kinds of stories of God using people that weren't Jesus followers. My favorite one is he let a donkey talk. So if he'll let a donkey talk, I'm guessing he'll let you do some stuff too. And if you want to go on this journey with us, you're deep down inside, you're like, I don't have everything figured out about Jesus, but I'd at least like to be a part of making this world a better place and I'd like to do it with you guys. I want you to know we'd love to have you. The second thing I want you to know is that God has indeed placed something inside of you for the greater good of humanity and the advancement of his mission. Your gift might look different than other people's gifts, but listen to me, your gift is not worse than other people's gifts because your gift has God's divine fingerprint on it when he placed it in you. The value, value is not in the gift, but in the fingerprint and how that gift is leveraged. But you will never fully unlock the beauty of that gift until it is surrendered to the Lord and until you are in an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, you're already using your gift, but you're using it all for your glory. And you have no idea what God will do when you start using it for his. And if you have questions about how to start an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how to join God in his glorious mission, man, I, we would love to have a conversation with you today. And in just a few moments, there's going to be somebody over there by the baptistry or after the service. You can come and find somebody out in the lobby. There's no reason for you to walk out of here today without getting some of those questions answered. And I hope you also hear this, how radically committed this body of believers is to helping you on that spiritual journey. To the rest of you in the room, those of you who are Jesus followers, hear me. You don't get to like some period later on in your life where you're fully ready to use your gift. Your gift is supposed to be stewarded by you for the glory of God, which means you need to take that gift that God's placed in you and you need to basically go, God, this is yours. How do you want me to use it? And every single one of you has something to offer, all of you. And we just want to go on that journey with you. As a church, as a staff, as leadership, we wanna be in your corner as you discover and discern how best to use it and how to leverage it to help other people find what you have found in Jesus. It would be a shame for us to be a church that buries the gift that God has given us in the sand when we know what kind of difference it could make. Would you guys stand with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, for the time we get to spend together. God, I pray that you would use this this week. God, those of us who need to be convicted right now, convict us. Those of us who need to be heartbroken, God, break it. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to become calloused and hard-hearted toward the things that matter the most to you. God, we care deeply about people who don't have a relationship with you. And we don't want to sit on the sidelines expecting the world to change without getting out on the field and getting dirty to make that change a reality. Help us to do that, God. In your name I pray. Amen.